Hello, Truvine. Welcome back to our Wednesday night. God bless you guys. I pray that you've had an amazing day and a great week, and we're working together to make these weeks and these months amazing, thanks to God. I want to bring you a lesson tonight that I'm going to call Blameless Living. I thought with all maybe the saturation in the media and social media about the COVID-19 virus and all the uncertainty, I thought, well, maybe let me just put that on pause for a minute and just kind of delve off into another area of a subject and kind of give that a break for a moment. So let me talk to you tonight about blameless living. I've been intrigued by Proverbs chapter 6 over the years. I have studied it out. I have drilled down. And it's just been uh, an area in my life that think, that's kind of an interesting area. And I, I want to learn more about it. And probably more important than that, I want to apply that to my life. And since I'm pastoring, I want the people that come to this church to apply that to their life. So Let me just kind of take you to Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 16 says this, These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination unto him. And then the writer begins to list them out. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. What is interesting to me is the last one says, these things the Lord hates, yea, the seventh is an abomination unto him. I'll get to that in a minute, but the abomination unto God is one that sows discord. I'll talk, uh, let me loop back around in that. So, So we're talking about hands that shed innocent blood. So here's the question. How could I shed innocent blood? How could you shed innocent blood? I thought about this, and again, I've studied this out and prayed this through, and I feel like the Lord showed me this. We shed innocent blood every time we speak ill of another person because they're innocent. But when we speak ill against them, we are hurting them. When we expose others to their hurts and grievances, we might have an issue with someone, and we might have a grievance, but we're putting them at risk as we share that. What are we doing? We are developing bitterness in their heart. Let me give you an example. Let's just say I I was wronged by some situation, by the church, by the establishment, by my family member, by anybody. And then I share that grievance or that hurt with you. And then you pick up my cause because I'm your friend or I'm your family member. You're going to side with me. And what I'm going to do because it's me that I'm hurt I'm going to spin it to my defense. So have you ever noticed when we are complaining or telling somebody about a situation, we always make it so convincing that they have to agree with me because now the other side's wrong. But the other side doesn't get a chance to speak. The other side doesn't get a chance to present. And so when we do that, I think that's where we're violating the scripture, that we are shedding innocent blood because I'm putting this other person in a bad light to which they have no opportunity to take the stand. Going to any other person who is not a part of the solution or the problem is clearly against scriptural principles. Again, my thought tonight is on blameless living. This epidemic, pandemic, is going to be for a moment in time. And so maybe this really doesn't apply to you right now, but as we move forward and we come out of this, 
I think we need to be mindful of Proverbs 6. If we're apostolic believers, we've got to make sure that we're not shedding innocent blood by getting someone to rally with our grievance. When you go up against the establishment and when you go up against the gears, no one person can win. And often, if you get someone in your camp or on your team to foster how you feel, often they get hurt and wounded too. But I've seen this over and over as a pastor. The person that is maybe hurt or wounded or misunderstood, thankfully, they find an altar of repentance, or maybe I would think I would call it an altar of repair today, where God is repairing me. And then I work past my grievance. But the problem is I've shed innocent blood because the other person has not worked past their grievance. They don't have the grace to forgive because that situation wasn't intended for them. So let's be careful as we live a blameless life, make sure that we're not shedding innocent blood. You can do that on social media. You can do that in a phone call, in a text. With technology, there's a lot of ways to shed innocent blood. But I'm just saying, hey, I'm going to live a blameless life. I, that's not going to be a part of my DNA. I'm not going to do that to people. And because one reason is God says don't do it. These things the Lord hates. King James Version says, Yea, seventh is an abomination unto him. So if I'm doing something the Lord hates, am I scripturally, spiritually right with God? I think not. So let's be careful of that. Number two, the scripture talks about discord. Discord, lack of agreement or harmony. Disagreement among those accepted to do right in a corporate setting. Sowing discord to those corporately, to those in our church. You see, we have no right to spread information about our disagreements with others. It's not right. It's not ethical. It's not biblical. It's not spiritual. It's just not right. So when there's a disagreement, we work that out with one another. We're making sure that we're not sowing discord. Let me give an example for those of you that are married. When there's disagreements in your home between husband and wife, or mother and children, or dad and children, or vice versa, any combination thereof. When there's a disagreement, you work that out. It's what someone coined years ago, you don't air your dirty laundry. So thankfully, we don't all hear about the disagreements in homes. But I think where we err is that we air our disagreements with other people. Number one, on the job, maybe in the neighborhood. I've seen it happen as a pastor at church. We're trying to persuade someone who is not involved in the situation that our side and our story is right. We're so in discord. Our gossip is right. We don't say gossip, we say our story. We say our view. We say our grievance. But let me kind of segue into gossip. You see, gossip is idle talk or writing about another person or situation, regardless of the fact. When I am writing or talking or posting or sharing about somebody else, regardless of the fact, it's called gossip. You see, here's what we do. Gossip disguised, okay? Gossip disguised is what? It's okay to talk about a situation because I know the fact and the fact is true, and I would not lie. 
My friend, come on, that's gossip disguised. You should not be talking about the situation, even if you know the truth. But the way we justify it and why gossip doesn't stop is because we disguise it. Let me give you another situation. I'm coming to you to ask you to pray for this person because they are really struggling. And then we spill the struggle. And when called on or when questioned, we say, no, 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 no. I was just trying to get people to pray for them because I know they were struggling. No, my friend, that's gossip in disguise. I think we would know in our heart that we're not doing right. Can I give you another example? Gossip in disguise. Here's gossip in disguise. I can tell you what happened because I trust you and I know you won't tell anyone. Mm -mm. Gossip in disguise. Again, we've got to make sure that we're not sharing information that has nothing to do with us. Let me just pause for a minute and interrupt my lesson and tell you this. When someone ever tells you, hey, I'm going to tell you something, but don't tell pastor. Let me give you some wise counsel. You are never breaking confidence and you are never gossiping when you tell your spiritual upline. This is a principle you need to live by. So if somebody ever tells you, I'm going to tell you this, but don't tell the spiritual leaders of the church, definitely don't tell pastor. You have to reserve the right and tell them, hey, if I feel your soul is in jeopardy or you're teetering on church and the world, I reserve the right to get you spiritual help. So let me tell you, if anybody tells you to promise that and say, you know what, you better not tell me because I can't promise you I won't get you spiritual help. And so somebody needs to hear me because I want to help you. Again, let me repeat it one more time. It's never a break in confidence and it's never gossip when you tell a situation to your spiritual upline, your spiritual authority. It is breaking confidence and it is gossip when I'm telling people horizontally and people may be in my downline. So let's just kind of make sure we understand that principle. And if you'll apply that to your life, you will save yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of grief. And in some cases, a lot of apologies. <laughs> Let me give you another example of gossip disguise. Here's what someone might say. I'm telling you about this situation because I want your advice on what to do. And then we spill the beans about somebody's situation. All I'm saying tonight is be careful that you don't shed innocent blood. Be careful that you don't hurt somebody under the banner or the disguise of I'm spiritual, I'm helping them save them, I'm trying to get them help. Please understand, don't fool yourself because the enemy will exploit that. And the more that you do that, word gets around. It's called the law of sowing and reaping. You see, in the kingdom, it's called the law of sowing and reaping. In the world, in the secular environment, it's called karma. Karma comes around. Now, we don't use that word in the Bible. We make it a little more spiritual, and we extract spiritual examples. Hey, the law of sowing and reaping, my friend, it works. But here's the thing. It works for the good, too. When I'm sowing confidence, and I'm sowing excitement, and I'm sowing love, and I'm sowing compassion, that's going to come back to me. So, again... Proverbs 6, be careful that you are not shedding innocent blood. If the person that you are talking to is a not a part of the problem or the solution, you do not need to have a dialogue with them about it. Okay? Understand this principle. Are they a part, am I a part of the problem or the solution? If I'm not, then I need to dismiss myself from that conversation. 
I don't need to hear about it. I don't need to get involved. I'm not a part of the problem. I'm not a part of the solution. Therefore, I'm not going to allow myself to be a part of the conversation and get sucked into that environment to where maybe I might get myself hurt. I might end up wounded under the banner of, I was trying to help them. Be careful. Be very careful. Proverbs 20:19 says this, A gossip betrays a confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Gossip betrays confidence. Ephesians 4 and 29 says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. End quote and verse. So Paul, that's in Ephesians 4 and 29. Ephesians, we understand, are the Paulian epistles. These are letters written to the church after the book of Acts, after Calvary, after the day of Pentecost. And so these are spirit-filled believers. And Paul felt the need to write back to the Christians in Ephesus. That's like you and I, we're the Christians in Temecula. And he's saying, be careful and make sure your talk is wholesome. And what is coming out of your mouth, make sure it's building up others according to their needs. And make sure it's benefiting people who listen. It's never wrong to talk to your spiritual authority. That's never gossip. I want to reiterate that. About situations that concern you. That is not gossip. That is not betraying confidence. Spiritual authority needs to know things at times where it affects somebody spiritually. Please know this. I learned this pastoring, okay? I learned this on the job. Just because you may know something does not mean the pastor or pastoral staff know that. I liken it to this scenario. There's a lot of chatter on the playground at school. But that doesn't mean the teacher knows what's going on on the playground. I remember elementary school, middle school, when we had PE class. There's a lot of conversations going on during PE. But most of it, the PE teacher never heard or knew. It's very similar to pastoring. So for you to think, hey, why don't pastor do something about this? At some point, you have to assume maybe pastor doesn't know about it. Maybe the pastoral staff or the spiritual leaders aren't aware of what I know. And again, at any point that you're troubled or you're worried or you're struggling with information, Please, make yourself available to a pastoral staff member to let them vet the story or the situation or the concern. And let's see what God won't do when we take the proper channels. You never violate confidence by telling your spiritual authority. Again, when somebody tells you this, and they, I'm going to tell you this, but promise me you won't tell anybody. You have to step up and be a strong, mature Christian and say, hey, you can tell me, but please understand, I reserve the right to bring anything you tell me to pastor or the pastoral staff if I'm concerned about your spiritual well-being. I think that's a real true friend. Just because the situation concerns you doesn't necessarily give you the freedom to tell other people about it. But here's the follow-up. If the situation does concern you, then it does give you the biblical principle 
to tell a spiritual leader. In this case, our pastoral staff here at True Vine Pentecostal Church or myself. Because if we're not careful, your words can shed innocent blood in the sight of God. Even if you don't think you did. I didn't do nothing wrong, but here's the thing. Did I violate Proverbs 6.16? These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination unto him. So there's seven things. God hates six. One is an abomination. Again, a proud look, you can count them. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running into evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. I'm talking tonight about living a blameless life. And maybe it's easy since we're kind of sheltered in place, but life's going to pick back up. We all know that. Hey, we're going to get back up on the mountain again. We're going to high five everybody. Church is going to be packed. People are going to be running the aisles and worshiping God. Wages are going to be reinstored. Hours are going to come back together. Maybe my lesson is dropping this in your spirit to begin to think, hey, when I come out of my home from shelter in place, then this is a brand new principle I'm going to apply to my life. News of someone struggling seems to attract other people. They're constantly searching and probing for the latest gossip. Be careful. News of someone struggling should concern you. And you say, well, pastor, what do I do? I say the first thing you do, you drop to your knees and take it to the throne of God. That's what we do. That's the first thing I do. That's the first thing we ought to do. If they have a need, I'm going to be involved in helping God facilitate the answer. Make sure that you don't have the need to be in front of everyone else's bubble. You don't need to be in everybody. I don't need to be in everybody's bubble. That's too stressful. That complicates my life. When I hear something, I'm not chasing it. I'm going to, you understand, as a pastor, any little thing that I wonder about, I'm not going to exploit. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to give them counsel. But I'm just asking you to help yourself and maybe help our church. And make sure that you don't get caught up in someone else's bubble and you get wounded and God heals them and restores them and then you go through life with a wound that wasn't even intended for you. Let's make sure that we are considerate and we are right with God's holy word. Here's what happens sometimes. People trying to get in someone else's bubble, they say something like this. Have you heard anything about and they fill in the blank. They've missed a lot of church lately. That's opening the door to gossip. That's opening the door to getting into someone else's bubble. Again, let me go back to the principle. If I'm not a part of the problem or the solution, I don't want to be a part of the discussion. And if I would lean into that, I'm not chasing other people's bubbles. Or here's another one what happens. I've been really worried about them, and you say the name. Are they having trouble in their marriage? No, you're probing. You're trying to get information. You're trying to be in the know. All I'm saying is be careful. 
Watch where your little feet may take you. If you ask enough people, you'll eventually find someone that will break down and tell you what they know. And then now you both are on the verge of maybe shedding innocent blood. So let me ask you a question. If I ask enough people, I find someone to eventually tell me what they know, who's wrong, me or them? I think my first answer, initial thought to that is, I'm wrong because I have sucked them in to my busybody spirit of chasing other people's bubbles. And maybe I was so convincing and I articulated so well that they just felt safe to just dump the whole load on me. Let me tell you this, okay, my friend, listen. God hates people who run to evil. Now, that sounds kind of harsh, but that's the word of God. So within our own spirit, to make sure that we're not running to evil, we say, I'm just concerned about people. I love people. For some, digging into others' personal problems makes them feel like they've got things together. Whatever you run through the psychic of your mind, just be careful and double-check and vet your motives. I learned this, and I think you already know it, but... There's enough things in life to worry about that I don't have to put other people's worries on top of my mind. I may not be perfect, but at least my marriage isn't as bad as, and then you say the name. I'm bringing you two words to answer that. Be careful. Be careful. The enemy would love to distract you with everyone else's business. I think it's a tool in his arsenal. Distract God's people with everyone else's business. Proverbs 4, 25 through 27 in the NIV renders it this way. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your feet from evil. Be careful. 1 Thessalonians 4.11 Make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. To mind your own business and to work with your hands just as you were told to. So that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. Hey, th this is where the apostles are writing. The word of God, the word rather metal in the Greek literally means to inspect one another's. If we're not careful, we can be meddling in other people's business. One commentator translated meddling like this, and I quote, the bishop of other people's problems. The bishop of other people's problems. Hey, I don't even know how to figure out to be the bishop of my own problems. I definitely can't figure out how to be the bishop of someone else's problems. Again, maybe this doesn't affect you right now, but there's coming a day and a week and a month that life will be back to normal. Whether we do this to someone's face or behind their back, we're still meddling. We're still getting into someone else's business. We're still getting into someone else's bubble. My whole thought tonight is blameless living. 
to walk according to God's word and live a blameless life. 1 Timothy 5, 13. Besides, they get into the habit of being idle and going about from house to house. And not only do they become idlers, but also gossips and busybodies saying things they ought not to. End quote. 1 Timothy. So there's a lot of scripture here about basically staying in your own bubble. You see, busy bodies cause harm. True statement. They consistently stir up trouble with other people closest to them in the name of concern. I'm concerned. So what about sister and you fill in the blank and you ride that wave a little bit? I'm concerned about their marriage. I'm cons- I haven't seen them in a while. And again, it makes us feel a little more superior, like I've got this together. But we preface it, what about so-and-so? I've been praying for them. Do you know how they're doing? Hey, let me just kind of conclude like this. Let's stay in our lane. And let's live according to the word of God and walk in harmony with the scripture and watch God make a difference in our life, that he would touch our mind, our soul, our body, our spirit. When I'm doing everything I know to do, then God makes up the difference of the gap. And so let's work on living a blameless life. God bless you guys. I want to pray for us. I'm glad you tuned in. I'm glad you're watching this. And again, I don't know of anybody doing this right now because everybody's sheltered in place. This is not an indictment. I'm not trying to pinpoint somebody. All I'm just saying is, hey, let's get this principle down so when life opens back up and the play button is hit and we're back up to our normal Southern California busy lifestyles that we don't fall prey to the devil's attack, that we lean into this principle. So get it down in your spirit. Get it down in your mind. Pray this into your spirit. Talk it about about this with your family, and let's love one another, and let's pray for one another, and let's high-five one another, and let's take the mountain together, because we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, again, we come to you tonight, Lord, broadcasting digital message of hope and a lesson here of principles of how to live and how to walk right. I pray that you'd bless everyone that's watching this, regardless of where they are in the city, country, or the world. If they're receiving this rhema, this word of hope, this word of counsel, this word of holy and godly and blameless living, let it resonate with them and bless them. Bless us together, God, as we honor you. Thank you for everything. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week.